It's 1990s Detroit. Poverty is striking the city. The cocaine epidemic that had started in the 1970s quickly snowballed into a monstrosity two decades later. Nightly raids, it seemed like, where Detroit residents wreak havoc on its city. And one young kid named Marshall Mathers was writing Stan. What's going on, you guys? My name is Stefan, and you are listening to the Audio Addiction Podcast. Now, a lot would happen in the events that would then inspire Eminem to write Stan. So let's start from the beginning. Eminem was born on October 17th, 1972, in St. Joseph, Missouri. During his childhood, Eminem's father would decide to leave the family, move, and would lose contact with Eminem. Living with his mother, and as a single mother, would struggle to keep things afloat. Often, Eminem would have to shuttle from his hometown of St. Joseph to Michigan and vice versa, never staying in one home for more than a month. However, despite this, they would end up staying in Michigan for a majority of their early life. Trying to reconnect with his father as a child, Eminem would write many letters to his father in California, trying to find out who he was and to look for a father figure for himself. The letters never found their way back to Eminem. It was in fact his mother receiving these letters, marked return to sender on them, and quietly throwing them away. Telling this to her son would be devastating for the boy, and so Eminem would be under the impression that his father never actually got them. Maybe he wrote the wrong address. Maybe it just got lost in the mail like so many other males that are sent throughout the country. Lying to himself about this only furthered the childhood issues and emotional issues inside himself. School life wasn't any emotionally easier. They lived in Detroit, and this is during the late 70s and early 80s. Poverty has struck the city because of the gas shortage. People on majority forcing to buy Asian cars rather than domestics, leaving the motor city to hemorrhage money. People were just out of work. It also didn't help the fact that this was the beginnings of the crack cocaine epidemic that sprawled its way throughout the United States. People who have no work, no hope, look towards self-medication of alcohol abuse and drug addiction. This was the world that Eminem was born into. Eminem's family would live in a black-dominated neighborhood, being one of the three white families on their block. Eminem found it difficult to connect, often beaten by other black kids. That happy-faced child would soon slip away. When Eminem was young, he would always have an interest in storytelling, diving into comic books, walking away from living hell he had in Detroit, and even had a dream of becoming a comic book artist. But shortly after, he would listen to his first rap song, Reckless, featuring Ice-T. With tough times outside of the home, it wasn't much better in it. With the absence of a second parent in the home, Eminem fought often with his mother. Eminem would still try to keep it stable, He would drop out of high school at 17, get a job, and pay the bills. And yet Debbie, his mother, 
would still throw him out of the house on several occasions. She would at many times leave Eminem to his devices to go to bingo. When he was alone, this is where he would sit, whip out his notebook, crank the stereo, and start writing. Although he was a fairly bright boy, Eminem would take an interest in English, but would rather stick to his comic books than reading. At the age of 14, Eminem began rapping with his high school friend, Mike Ruby, adopting the names Mannix and Eminem, spelt like the candy. He would also meet friend Proof, and both would sneak into neighboring high schools to conduct rap freestyle battles in the school lunchrooms. They would also go to open mic contests at the hip hop show on West 7 Mile. This is the same location that would be adopted into the movie 8 Mile. This location becomes one of the most important locations for the D Detroit rap scene. Many critics would say this would be ground zero for this rap scene. Despite participating in a largely predominant black underground music scene, many would appreciate Eminem's rhymes. And this is where we start seeing Eminem's rap style. Eminem had a fixation with rhyming. He would want as many words as possible to rhyme. So he would write long phrases and sentences. And underneath them, he would then edit to see what words can rhyme with what. The end result would be these long-winded lines that seem to have no cohesion of rhyme. Most lines would be at the end of many contemporary rappers. However, Eminem would rap rhymes that start at the beginning, the middle, and the end, creating very odd-sounding lines. In 1992, Eminem formed Soul Intent with Rapper Proof, the same he would be sneaking into with into other high schools to conduct rap battles. They would release their album in 1995. He would soon get his first professional break where he would sign with the entertainment company FBT Productions and would record his first album, Infinite. It sucked. It was a commercial failure, and when it was released in 1996. It was a commercial failure when it was released in 1996. It didn't help Eminem's situation as before this, he had a child with his then-partner Kim. He would work 60 hours a week as a dishwasher, soon fired, and he had to live with his family, with his mother in her mobile home. But this album, like his stints at the mile, showed what style he was all about. Talking about raising his daughter, which would be a topic that Eminem would go to time and time again. Soon his lyrics would get more and more violent, talking about topics of murder, rape, and violence. And in 1997, Eminem would release the Slim Shady EP, which be full of the topics of what I've just mentioned. Eminem, tired, almost hopeless, that his music career might be all for nothing, with a family to feed, Eminem would muster up the last bit of strength he'd had to make a move to LA to participate in yet another rap battle. 
But this one would be his ticket. Jimmy Levine would come across a demo tape of Eminem and was dumbfounded. Quickly, he would go to Dr. Dre, his partner, and he too would also freak out. Immediately, they would find Eminem and convince him to work with them in his newest release, the Slim Shady LP. This album would become triple platinum, and Eminem would be featured in many of Dr. Dre's songs like Forget About Dre. It has finally come through for the white rapper from Detroit. It would come to the pinnacle of Eminem's career, the release of the Marshall Mathers LP. With the turn of the century came the Marshall Mathers LP, selling 1.6 million copies in its first week. It would break the record at the time for the fastest selling hip hop album of all time, previously held by Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, yet another artist cultivated by Dre. Here we see Eminem's lyrical content, taking shots at artists like Christina Aguilera, parodying Marilyn Manson. But the third single from the album, Stan, takes a different approach. Many of the singles that really shone for Eminem were the funny, the arrogant, and the violent parodies. But Stan was dark, introspective. Eminem looking at himself and how he has dealt with his newfound fame. Song primar- the song primarily takes on almost a narrative speaking role. And in my opinion, epitomizes Eminem's style of writing like how I mentioned before. How he writes long phrases and then goes back to make them rhyme. Making this song into a letter becomes the best example of this writing style. Critics would dub it the third greatest rap song of all time. Rolling Stone would add it to the list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And it would be performed with Elton John at the Grammy Awards. All this time, Eminem puts on the satirical persona of Slim Shady, and the fans love them for it, especially Stan. But what this song also shows is the human perspective and how he responds to fanatical fans. He is just a person with his own ideas. Throughout the three verses, you see how Stan writes to Eminem and grows more and more erratical and jumps to his own conclusions, saying it's ridiculous how he doesn't answer his, to his biggest fans. And it all comes down to a close when Eminem finally writes back with his reasons. Eminem has a similar reaction to what many of us would feel if someone wrote that to us. And it would put into perspective of how crazy fans can be and the outrageous expectations they put on their stars. And that makes it relatable. How can we sympathize as a person with Eminem and how we can relate to them as we all have someone we idolize in our lives, much like how Eminem idolized his father, writing letters to him day after day and two, was getting no response. And this is what makes Eminem so special, and perhaps a reason why he became one of the largest artists in history. Stan, despite its very dark tones, is a very relatable song, and Eminem makes it capable to relate to it, along with his other very dark ones, fights with spouses, and the almost radical reaction towards his daughter. Every father wants to protect their daughter from the world. And we hear that pushed to 11 in Mockingbird. 
He is the best-selling artist of the 2000s, sold over 220 million records worldwide, won one American Academy Award, 14 America Music Awards, 17 Billboard Music Awards, 15 Grammy Awards, and countless more. And that's all for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Audio Addiction. Eminem has a very special place in my heart. He is one of the first rappers that I really got into and that put me down into the rabbit hole of of gangster rap, going further back into Dr. Dre and then ultimately to NWA, Run DMC, and all those other guys. Um, But Eminem is... Although he's very satirical, although he's very violent, he's a very emotional kind of character. And you really understand that when you look at his past. It's, yeah, much like any other rapper out there or gangster rapper, didn't live in good locations, um, involvement with gangs. Uh, But with Eminem, it wasn't worth really with gangs. It wasn't glorifying it either he was just saying how pissed off he was in in many ways eminem is the the ghetto person that lives in the on the hood uh living his day-to-day life you know maybe not going maybe not marrying the, the the woman that he wanted to marry um or maybe loved at the time but due to financial strains had to keep it together um uh fights with his mother uh, although not all of us would have that intensive fights with their mother, but we can all relate that we've always had fights with our parents and working on a dream. It's the modern day American dream, you guys. And that's what makes Eminem very interesting. And what makes it so interesting now is that he's a totally different character. Um you know when you when you see songs like uh, "Rap God" and and such, that he takes this glorifying, very much um, ignorant perspective in my in my view, and maybe that's why uh, it, it could be the reason why Eminem has taken a fall down. But in that argument as well, no artist is forever on top. Uh, they either die immediately. Or they burn out. And uh, obviously with Eminem, we're seeing the latter. Catch the next episode of Audio Addiction on your favorite podcasting services. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Anchor. My name is Stefan, and I'll see you next time.